0: Welcome to Pints in Politics. Pints in Politics is a weekly discussion program of all things political, coming to you through the facilities of Trent Radio. CFFF in Peterborough. 92.7 92.7 on your FM dial. My name is Bill Templeman. In addition to this radio show, Pints and Politics is streamed live from the Trent Radio website. We also have a podcast at Pints and Politics, all one word, lowercase, dot uh, ptbopodcasters.ca. And every Thursday, a smallish crew of intrepid pundits gathers at the Garnet Pub um, to yell at each other about politics. Aylmer and Hunter in Peterborough, 5 p.m. informal gathering, so all are welcome. Please join us. We post on Twitter at Bill Temp, and on the Cooperate Peterborough Facebook page. Joining me today is uh, Diane Terian, running for mayor in Peterborough. Welcome, Diane.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Diane, you uh, ran, of course, uh, well, we both ran in 2014. You won, you've served. If I could time travel back to 2014, and here you are running again, only for a much larger position, what advice could you give your 2014 self?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. When I ran in 2014, it was the first time I had run for really anything. Anything? Uh, yeah, pretty much. And uh, and so it was kind of a learn as I went along experience. What I had heard from people who had done it before, and I, and I talked to a lot of people who had more experience than I did, was that, you know, boots on the ground are what win these elections. And mm-hmm. at that time, and, you know, I was a relative newcomer to Peterborough and I had people say, "Well, nobody knows who you are. There's no way that you can win." I thought, "Well, I better knock on every door in town ward and introduce my pe- myself so that people know who I am." And so that's what I did, and that's you know the strategy that I that I have going into this campaign as well. And so I think in terms of advice to myself at that time would to be would be to keep positive people around you, have people that challenge your your ideas because that makes you stronger and more solidified in, in your opinions. But but you need to be out there meeting people and listening to what people want in their community. It's not enough to, you know, think that you know everything. You need to be receptive to what your constituents are looking for in elected officials. And, and, that's, what I, and that's what I did and that's what I continue to do. But that would be also advice that I give to anybody who's interested in, in pursuing this, this type of work.
0: Okay. Now, uh, I was uh, president of at Artspace at your launch and, and heard your speech. In fact, uh, we, uh, used your, we, we played your speech uh, a few episodes ago on Pines and Politics. And it was wonderfully short. Thank you. <laughs> and it was also focused. I mean, the jobs, taxes, and infrastructure. I mean, uh, those are the building blocks of our community. But I realize a lot of people didn't hear your speech. Mm-hmm. Uh, so could you please just go over why the decision now to... Run for mayor. As you said, I think in your speech, you said it would have been easy to sort of shuffle off to Buffalo and and just go through the motions, do the minimum, run, get reelected again uh, as a councillor and take the easy route. But you've jumped from frying pan to fire. Yeah,
1: Yeah, indeed, it will be. It already has been uh, more challenging. I mean, it was challenging the first time around. Like I said, I didn't you know, I hadn't run for things before. So it was a learning experience. Uh, and this time around, you know, I've, I thought a lot about our community, you know, I I moved to Peterborough, not knowing that I would stay here, you know, I moved here to to do my MA at Trent, and, and I fell in love with the city. And so I worked yeah. really hard to, to build a life here. But it wasn't necessarily what, you know, you know, 15 years ago, I would have would have seen myself doing. And so, you know, the four years that I've been on council, I've loved it, I've learned so much uh, about how City Hall works, how council works, and what the community really needs. And you know, i've had a lot of people that have asked me or encouraged me to run for mayor and obviously i thought about it a lot and talked mm-hmm. to a lot of people it's not a decision that was taken lightly mm-hmm. i feel like our community is really at this tipping point that there's so much good stuff happening so much potential but we need to have leadership that has that long-term forward-thinking vision for how we can come together around common goals and work together for a better, more progressive, more sustainable, more prosperous uh, future for everybody in our community. And so I thought, well, you know, why why not now? For four years is a long time, and so I thought, you know, our community needs needs this now. And we've seen this through the amount of of new and sort of diverse candidates that have come out for this municipal election at the council level as well, which I think speaks to the fact that people are really looking for and ready for. Uh, some new vision, some new ideas, some some fresh blood around that table, and so I'm, you know, I'm just I'm happy to see to see so many people becoming involved in their their local democracy.
0: Great. Now uh, this campaign will be like a huge opportunity for you regardless of what happens on the 22nd in terms of the vote to to push to advocate to introduce issues that are, are really significant and really important to you what, what do you hope to really emphasize during your campaign
1: yeah so i mean my main you know platform that as you heard it, in the speech that we talked about centers on jobs taxes and infrastructure But that, you know, those are broad categories that so many things fall under. So we know right now we're having, you know, we have a crisis, a housing crisis in our city. We're dealing with high rates of poverty and unemployment. We're dealing with, you know, aging roads and storm sewers that are, you know, that need to be upgraded. So all of those things are are part of that. Absolutely. And then the other piece that I've really pushed for in my four years on council and before that and and am now is the need for more accessible and transparent elected officials and city council. So I've been hosting a series of neighborhood drop-ins, mm-hmm. uh, at different locations around the city, because I want to hear from people what, what they, what they're concerned about as well, sure. because, you know, I have things that I'm passionate about, but I, I know that my experience is different from, from everybody else, sure. uh, from everybody else's. So I want to learn from that as well, to make sure that my platform is, is really going to help our whole community and not just you know like, you know like individual interests or special interest groups sure. so yeah, so I think that that, you know, is a big thing that I'm pushing for. I did that as well around, we, I'm sure that the sale of PDI will come up again so, since that news broke uh, on the Friday before the long weekend here, that when that debate and discussion came forward, I, I was the one that put a motion to actually have community engagement and consultation and education around what was happening with that. So that's a value that I really, I hold quite strongly. And, you know, the last couple of weeks I've had these community drop-ins and there's been people as young as 14 and people as old as 80 that have come out to that and everyone in between. And that's what I want to hear because you need to have diverse perspectives and that intergenerational knowledge about, well, what, you know, what do we want from the city and what do we hope the future will look like as well as, you know, what, what people are worried about now. So it's trying to capture all of that, which is, you know, a lofty goal, but I think, you know, I've got a great Mm -hmm. team and we're working towards it.
0: Great. Now, um, last time, of course, you ran in Town Ward, I live in Town Ward, I know you're well known in Town Ward, but now you're running in all of Peterborough. Could you just go into a bit of your background and what you bring to not only city council, we know that, but to the position of mayor of the city of 80,000?
1: Sure. So I know that, yeah, since I've moved to Peterborough, I've lived in the, the downtown area. I grew up in Mississauga, which is a very suburban city. And so I also, and my parents moved recently to Northcrest, the the far sort of north of Northcrest. And I visit them, you know, on a, you know, weekly or more basis. And so I, you know, I I do understand as well the issues that are prevalent out Mm -hmm. there. It's a a bit different from what people Mm -hmm. that live in the city core see in terms of, you know, we do have a concentration of of poverty in the downtown as all cities do. And so there are, you know, there are different issues that, that you see. And so I think that that ability to understand what it is that people who, who actually live and work in the city are dealing with. And I, you know, I commute through the city by walking, by biking, by driving. And so I see all the different modes of what's going on. And I think it's really important for people that are, that are running for the, these, you know, these offices to actually live and work and frequent the, sure. the businesses and the facilities and the institutions in, in our city. And so, you know, that's an important part of it. You know, I have experience in the private, the public, and the nonprofit sectors, uh, and so I, you know, I understand that people will talk a lot about how the city is a business, and certainly there are aspects of a business to it. But it's it's also a service provider. Transit operations are never going to be profitable, but it's a basic service that municipalities mm-hmm. need to provide. You need to be able to see things not only from the financial, hard dollars and cents perspective, but also the intangible value that having Recreational opportunities, having the ability to get around the city, those, you know, having community engagement, those things are all intangible in terms of Mm -hmm. a dollar value, but they build a healthy community. And that's what, that's what I'm, you know, also want to work towards.
0: Now, let's talk about mud for a minute. Now, during Miriam Monsef's campaigns, I should say plural, there was the criticism, totally bogus, but the criticism that, you know, she's in her her early thirties, she really hasn't had a full-time job, Mm, and, of course, some veiled sexism under that, shouldn't she be, you know, starting a family, having babies, you know, making apple pies and so on, you know, all, all that stuff. No, you're a different person. I mean, you know, you are your master's, you've been out in the work world, you've served on council, of course, for four years, so you've proved a lot of that wrong, but, and I, I don't want to put down the community I call home, but I'd be surprised if that wouldn't come up again.
1: <laughs> How do you
0: react to that?
1: I mean, I can still make a mean apple pie. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, you know, these, these days, you know, this is people want to make change in their communities in different ways. Yeah. And so, you know, you know, I think that I've proven myself through the work that I've done on council and in the community and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and the reality is I'd love to get to a point where, you know, somebody's fertility status isn't a, you know, isn't a debate because people aren't asking, you know some of the other male counselors about yeah. their you know whether they're married or have kids. So, I mean, I, I knock on wood, haven't had to deal with much of that yet. I'm, I'm sure I will, but I, I'm dedicated to this community in a in a really strong way, and that's what I want to focus on.
0: Yeah, I mean, no one inquired as to my hormonal activity yeah. when I was <laughs> running door to door. I was really yeah. hurt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, in terms of career, now you're up at Trent. You work at Trent, right?
1: No, I have.
0: You have okay. So, so apart from your your work on council, what's your, what's the shape of your career to date?
1: Yeah. So I've done a lot of things. I mean, I knew so I've known for the last several months that I wanted to run for mayor, and so I consciously didn't take on any contracts, any work, mm-hmm. knowing that campaigning is a full time job. I mean, and a lot of you know, and some people do it while working other jobs, and that's and that's awesome. But the kind of campaign that I'm running really is a twenty four seven, you know, mm-hmm. three sixty five. Uh, type of thing. So I've, you know, I came to Peterborough to do my master's degree. I did that. Um I've worked for the YWC, What's your master's in? Uh the Canadian Indigenous Studies program, the okay. Frost mm-hmm. Center. So my mm-hmm. MA looked at new recent immigrants to Canada and what they mm-hmm. what they know about Indigenous people and what they're learning when they get here. Okay. And so, you know, I'm one of those people who after I graduated from Trent had a had a harder time finding work in Peterborough and ended up working down in Toronto for a year and a half mm-hmm. and was just not happy down there and really worked to get back to Peterborough. You know, I took a 50% pay cut coming back here, but to me, it didn't matter because I knew that I would be happy here. And so for a lot of people, my age as well, like that, that is sort of a, a different way of, of working and wanting to do that. We want to be able to sure, uh, you know, ha- have a secure and safe house and maybe have a family, but we want to be able to make a difference in our community and feel like we're working for the betterment of, of the community. Uh, and so that was something that was really important to me. I've worked in, I've worked in so many jobs as many, as many millennials have, you know, a lot of work is contract mm-hmm. and it's part-time. And so when I first, the first couple of years I was on council, I was working four or five different contracts right. to, you know, to build, to build enough money to yeah. be able to, you know, afford things. And that's, you know, the reality of what's going on these days. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: you know, and many of those, those critics who who throw that particular brand of mud, uh, at young and particularly female candidates aren't quite aware that for a lot of uh, a lot of millennials the full-time job is uh, they're not around anymore that the gig economy the mm-hmm. contracts mm-hmm. the temp positions uh, this is this is how careers, the portfolio career, yeah. this is how careers develop. And so to criticize people for not having full-time jobs, yeah. I mean, when I graduated, you know, if you could walk a straight line and chew gum at the train, same time, you could get a full-time job with well, a bank or yeah. a government.
1: And I, and I, you know, I have friends who, you know, because they're, you know, there's a lot of people, say, in the humanities that <laughs> for whom it might be harder to find that. But I have friends who have masters of science and who have, you know, graduate degrees in uh, geochemistry and these things who, who still even if they can find full-time jobs are often still on contract and are often not paying a living wage. Uh, and so they, even if they have that full-time job, it's still precarious because it ends in six months to a year and they're only making, you know, they're barely making enough money to be above the low income line. And so I think that that, you know, that's one of the issues that, all generations, but particularly the younger generations are dealing with is that you, you know, you, you have to work twice as hard to make half as much pretty much. Yes. And the ca- cost of housing, the cost of food, the cost of gas uh, have all gone up yeah. and wages have stagnated. And so that is, you know, that's a very real, that's a very real issue. Uh, I think part of it too, and I've talked about this a little bit in Peterborough is that this, you know, this community has been a bit slower to adapt to the new economy that, that we're living in, in terms of, you know, the, ch- the decline of the, the manufacturing sector. And certainly we still want to work with those um, manufacturing, you know, the manufacturing industry that's here. But, you know, there is so much happening in, you know, the knowledge economy. And there's people that can telecommute and work from home and do designing or do web-based work that they don't necessarily need uh, an office building. And they don't necessarily need to be in sort of an urban center, but they want the quality of life that Peterborough has to offer. So that's something that I think that we need to leverage and we certainly can leverage more there's a lot of people in our community who commute down to Toronto or the Durham region a couple times a week. The, you know, the the speed of your internet is more important now than, you know, than the size of, of your roads really, right, right. Uh, because that's where, that's where things are happening.
0: Right. So on the, uh, your, your trilogy there, the, the three pillars of your campaign, uh, taxes, jobs, and infrastructure, what are the ways you've touched on them just now, but what are, if you could summarize the ways you see, as mayor, well, the next council, how can we collectively attract more jobs to Peterborough?
1: Government doesn't create jobs, but government creates the conditions that people want to invest in, that people want to live in. And so, you know, I have a few several friends who have small businesses who are trying to recruit workers from, from elsewhere if they can't find the skills that they need in town. Uh, but part of the thing that people are looking for, particularly the younger generation, as we talked about, who want to um, have not just a fulfilling career, but a fulfilling life in the community, uh, is that they want to have a quality of life experience. They want to be able to live in a place where they're able to bike around with their kids and be able to walk to Mm -hmm. school and be able to go to great pubs and restaurants and have great art and culture and sports facilities and all of these things. And Peterborough has all that to offer Mm -hmm. and people I know because I grew up in the GTA and friends when they, the first time they come to visit, they're always surprised by Peterborough has got such great music mm. and such great restaurants, and that's not the perception that a lot of people have. And so we need to keep building on that because we do. We have great trails, we have great post secondary institutions, we've got a great downtown and great local businesses all over the city. And so we need to keep building on, you know, improving our roads, which you know many of which are falling apart, as well as the other infrastructure, sidewalks, storm stormwater management, and then making it more you know bike friendly, mm. uh, improving our transit system, getting car shares going. And getting you know different uber and lyft and all of those types of things here would be very helpful particularly with the student population because that that's what they are looking for
0: right right and of course that, that whole point about not being about losing grads is, is so true I right? know yeah. one of the uh, other candidates interviewed mentioned that only one to two percent of people who graduate from Trent and Fleming stay
1: yeah and I I I'm sure that that's true. And I think, you know, part of it is that Peterborough, but through Trenton Fleming, we have like, for example, they're known for their environmental studies and their sustainability studies. So we should be leveraging on that. And there's a lot of talk about the clean tech commons and how that's happening, but you have these great firms in town now like Cambium that are like, we should be a leader in having those environmental consulting firms here. Like why would you be based in Toronto where you're paying five times the rent when you can be in Peterborough, where you're closer to the places that you're going to be studying, right. you know, you're in between Ottawa and Toronto, you're paying much less, much less in rent. And you can get the people here that want to be able to canoe after work and go yeah. out on, you know, paddle on right. the right. lake or bike to work and all of those yeah. things. And and so I think, you know, because I have had these debates with some of my councilmates where there's still that shift in understanding where the economy is going still needs to happen. Yes. And so this time a year ago, there was a big debate around, you know, land annexation and Kevin Monaghan. And and one of the questions I asked in that debate was, well, we have this infor- we have all this information <coughs> about, you know, the cost and, and the land and this. And I said, well, what, where's the economic forecasting and where the job growth is going to be in 10, 20, 30 years from now? And there wasn't any of that included in the report. And so to to me, like there are some opportunities for that, you know, the industrial land that we need. But there is a lot of opportunity for adaptive reuse and for putting in sort of shared office space or these new kinds of new kinds of economy. Diane,
0: um, campaigns have unfolded the same way it seems for decades and decades. You know, it all happens at the doors. There's the door to door canvassing. You see look people in the eyes. You shake hands. They get to meet you. But over the last few campaigns, there's this sort of new cloud on the horizon called social media, and, and and now the door-to-door, while it's still important, social media is huge. For example, I was told that uh, at one point during the federal last federal election, Miriam Monsef had more followers than the Peterborough Examiner. So so uh, how do you plan to use social media?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have a really great team that's helping me out with that. I mean, Facebook has really big reach. So for example, this neighborhood uh, drop-ins that I've been hosting. We put out a little video saying I'm going to be, you know, at the Silver Bean or at the Ale House or wherever it is that I'm going to be. Uh, come on out. And it reaches, yeah, hundreds of people. And I've had people come out that say, oh, yeah, I saw it on Facebook. And so that's a really key uh, way to reach people, particularly, you know, different demographics of, of voters. You know, all that said, that to me, it's still the boots on the ground is what wins it because there are going to be some people who can't make it out or who you know who follow you but twitter followers are can be anywhere in the world so it's not you know they're not all local um they you know so that you can't rely on that certainly we want to use it to our advantage and it helps you know be able to give a little bit of a glimpse into what a day-to-day campaign looks like you know with the videos that you can do now on instagram stories and that kind of thing like here's what it looks like when you're trying to fix up your campaign office and and all of that kind of stuff to try to make it a little bit more humanizing and accessible because i think that that's really important and that's something that I that I really uh, try to do because one of you know one of the things that I want to do and s- is to get more people particularly young people engaged and interested in municipal politics and so I've had some young people come up and say like that's so cool I saw your thing on Twitter or Facebook and you know tell me more about running for council because I maybe want to do it in a couple years and it's like yes that's what I want like you want people to be engaged you know we have Less, I think in the last municipal election it was what forty five percent voter turnout around 47, there, forty seven, yeah. still less than half, yeah. like super low, yeah. and uh, and that's sad, right? Because yeah. then you have got so many people who, who just don't don't care or aren't engaged, but there's reasons for that. Because I remember not knocking on doors last time. And there were some neighborhoods where people that had done it before said, don't, you know, don't bother going to that neighborhood because nobody turns. There's such a low voter turnout. And I thought, well, no, like maybe there's a low voter turnout because they have no one to vote for. And so I remember knocking on doors and there's a few in this neighborhood where we are right now who people said nobody's ever knocked on our door before. And people remember that. Yes. Like I see people on the street and they're like, hey, you came to our door four years ago. And so and. And they voted maybe for the first time. And that, you know, is something that is so critically important in a, in a healthy and vibrant democracy is engaging, you know, the most vulnerable and marginalized people and people that are written off as, oh, well, you know, don't waste your time. It's like, no, everybody deserves a vote and everybody deserves to be engaged because they have valid concerns about what's going on in the community.
0: Sure. Now, about diversity, I mean, both of us, before you uh, were elected in 2014, uh, have presented to council and i have a very clear memory albeit will painful it's uh, i call it the firing squad you stand there at the podium and there are those 11 faces and i stare around the table as i, I mumble through my presentation and there're only two women <laughs> and there's only like two or three people below, below the age of 50 how is that going to i don't want to say why that is because that's in the past but how is that going to change
1: I think that, you know, as people get, I don't know, and maybe this has to do with social media too, is that there's more, you're able to watch council meetings online and you're able to, to stream them. I mean, you can always come in person, which is great too. But I think that more and more people are becoming aware of it. So in this election, there's already more young people registered to run than I think in any election that I recall, young people pretty much in every ward. Young in Peterborough being, you know, sort of under 40. (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) Yes, redefining youth.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But you need a diversity of perspectives, you need a diversity of ages. So right now and and I, you know, I have great respect for all my council colleagues, as you know, like I'm the kind of person that, you know, I get along, try to get along with everyone. But I sometimes feel like I'm just out in left field because most, you know, I'm decades younger than than most people on council. And so there is this you need a you need to have a good cross section of understanding and perspectives about about what's going on in the community. And so I think it's great to see so many new faces r- running. I think it's one of those things, you know, I'm hearing at the door. People are excited about about these about new faces coming out and people are looking for change. People are looking for for some new blood around the table, and so you know that's all really exciting and really heartening. And so yeah, we'll just see. We'll just see how it goes. And there's still a month for people to file, right? So I'm sure there'll be more people come out in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. We're
0: we're at 22 uh, candidates now, including yourself and uh, I think Cameron Green running uh, running for mayor. Now the online vote in 2014. Uh, 2014- Apparently, 44% of Miriam's supporters voted online. And of course, that's a younger demographic. Uh, only 37% of Darrell Bennett's supporters voted online. What is your stance on online voting and how do we get more of it happening, if it's a good thing?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest, the biggest hurdle to overcome is getting people registered, particularly mm-hmm. young people uh, and students. And because and, once they're registered, it's quite likely that they will vote. So it's just getting, uh, letting people know how they get registered to be on the on the vote list. And
0: how do we get more young people to vote?
1: Well, and that's part of it. I mean, I think more and more, you know, we see young people. It's one of those things where, you know, you, you need to see her to be her. And so when you have these these uh, people that you see in politics that are younger, that are female, it inspires other young females to, to run. And I think that more and more young people are, are becoming more aware of the issues that are going on. So I've had, you know, 17 year olds talk to me about their concern about the housing crisis and the, you know, the economy and all of those things, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's on one hand it's kind of, it's unfortunate that we have to have those conversations because it means that we're, there's, you know, a lot of negative stuff going on, but it's great to see young people really involved. Uh, and so I think it's just getting that word out and having people tell their friends, you know, doing education through the school system and through post-secondary on here's how you get registered, here's how you vote, yeah. did you know as a student, you're eligible to vote here, as well as if you're, you know, your parents live in Oshawa, you can vote in both because uh, people just don't know that. And yeah. I think the big barrier too, is that municipal government is often the one that people find the least interesting, even though it's the most tangible. So, you know, for young people, you know, like transit and recreation opportunities and sports fields and, you know, arts and culture, music, you know, like that, it's all related to your municipal government. And uh, people just don't, And when I was that age, I didn't know that either. I wasn't, you know, when I was 17, I wasn't paying attention to that either. Uh, But now it's, you know, I've had people, I remember door knocking last time and people would say, oh, I don't, you know, I don't, what what municipal government, I don't care. And then it was like, but then they would say something about, oh, the sidewalk. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's your municipal government. Oh, and then we had a conversation. (laughs) People just don't, just don't always put it together that your roads, your garbage collection, your drinking water, all of that is your municipal government. And so it is actually very, it's your day-to-day life.
0: Okay, uh, last question. The big projects of the day, which will surely come across uh, the desk of the next council in your desk, uh, should you be our next mayor. I'm thinking of PDI, I'm thinking of the Parkway, I'm thinking of the op- official plan review and the annexation. Where could you briefly just outline where you stand on those?
1: Well, PDI I've been opposed to since the beginning, as you know. We'll see what happens with this deal that's apparently going through that came out the Friday before the long weekend. Uh, right. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I'm I will continue to fight against that. The Parkway with the new provincial government, we'll see what happens. Again, to me, uh, you know, that is when we talk about spending your tax dollars wisely. Spending one hundred and It'd be $150 million now to do, to build a bridge, uh, is not, is mm-hmm. not an equitable distribution of, of resources. The, well, the official the, plan, review, the official plan uh, review, which is going, which has been going great, I think, and it is long mm-hmm. overdue. So I look forward to seeing that, you know, that's really the blueprint and the building block and the map for where you want your city to go. So I hope to see a lot of, you know, progressive future oriented solutions in that.
0: And then the annexation.
1: The annexation so you know that got voted down and then the province the provincial government last provincial government you know put a freeze on agricultural lands so if that had gone through we wouldn't have been able to do anything anyways uh and the mayor himself said that to me Well, it's a good thing that that didn't go through we would have had egg on our faces i was glad to consistently vote against that because it was a bad deal for for taxpayers and our citizens anyways uh you know that being said i know that there is talk about how we do need industrial land. There are other ways to to work on that, you know, creative, innovative solutions. And so we're going to, you know, in GE is sort of the big, the big unspoken thing that, you know, kind of gets talked about, but nobody wants to really talk about it. Um, Because the fear is that they're just going to walk away and leave that land contaminated and fallow. And it's prime real estate in the heart of our community that could be used in so many creative ways for employment, for housing, for, community centers for sports for you know there's so many things that can be done with it but we don't know the scope of of how contaminated the land is or um, whether or not they are going to sell it or if they're just going to hold on to it
0: well diane terry thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to do this and uh, best of luck on your campaign thank
1: you very much